With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. Good afternoon. Bear down, baby. Yes, Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I am David Haw, along with Dan Reeder from the Chicago Tribune here on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch us on the 670 Sports YouTube page. The NFL Combine Edition, it is underway in Indianapolis. That's where Dan Reeder from the Tribune is. I am back in Chicago uh, because of the Mullen Haw Show every weekday morning, 530 to 10. Today, on Tuesday, we heard from... General Manager Ryan Poles and Head Coach Matt Eberflus. Dan, I think that we've been waiting a long time for this. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to discuss. How are things in (laughs) Indianapolis? Well, so I rolled down here on Monday and drove through some pretty severe Indiana storms. I almost called you because at one point on my drive, I had the radio on and the 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 tornado warning alarms were going off on the radio saying if you're in Tipton or Hamilton County seek shelter now I'm like I'm on I-65 I don't know what county I'm in I need somebody with some Indiana knowledge and geography to tell me am I driving right into the eye of a tornado or am I gonna am I gonna make it so uh, we're lucky uh, that I'm able to do this today David with some of some of what I drove through on Monday I'm sure that there was a safe silo (laughs) along the way that you could find and if not you keep on driving a couple cornfields till you find one but I'll Uh, tell you this like you you pull in here and and really from the 
hour one that I was here on Monday, you feel the Bears juice, right? Like this is the first time in a long time that I can remember coming to this event and having so many people from around the league be very interested in what the Bears are doing. They're usually an afterthought. And right now they're at the epicenter of everything. And you feel that from the outset. And it's continued to percolate here through Tuesday. Well, along those lines, and we'll get into the specifics, certainly of what Ryan Pohl said, but I think how he said it was very interesting, Dan. Not being in the room next to him, I think you were, so obviously you could speak to this, but I did sense a confidence, I think, with which he carried himself, with which he spoke, and I think that that confidence might be reflective of where the Bears are in the offseason in terms of controlling the draft and all of the potential moves they could make in trading down, which was what uh, Adam Schefter, ESPN, reported they were leaning toward at the beginning of the week. And also $98 million in salary cap space as free agency approaches. This is a general manager that I think went to Indianapolis with a sense of purpose and with an obvious confidence. Yeah, you say the word confidence, I pair it with the word eagerness because I think he understands that this is a, the opportune time uh, and a potentially landmark time in his tenure as a, a Chicago Bears general manager to put his fingerprints all over what they're trying to build at House Hall. And so, yeah, there's some natural excitement to that for Ryan. I think today he called it sort of a front office person's dream to be in this scenario where you have the number one pick, you have all this money in free agency. And so what you hear consistently from folks within the Bears is the word flexibility. They've got a number of different paths they can go down on this choose your own adventure. And I think they're just eager to see which one they wind up going down all the way to the end because I think Ryan is very aware that there are things that are going to change uh, throughout the, the free agency and draft processes that make them pivot and adjust and adapt, but that they feel very confident in their ability to do so with all the homework that they're putting in and which they are obviously furthering here at the combine this week. So give us a context about how this unfolded on Tuesday morning in Indy. Was it at the podium? As it, uh, who was present for the questioning and just stylistically, just in terms of presentation, how would you generally describe it? Yeah, so I'll set the scene for you. There's a little hallway that connects the JW Marriott in downtown Indianapolis to the other Marriott properties, the Courtyard, the Spring Hill, the Fairfield Inn. There's a hallway there that the Bears set up their backdrop in, and and really most of the years I've been down there, that's where the general manager has spoken. So it was Ryan speaking to the Chicago horde, not necessarily the league-wide horde there. And so it allows you to have a little bit more of a direct setting um, with your beat guys and 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 really cut to the chase on some of the most important topics here. Flus went in front of the entire room uh, down here in, in the main stage uh, later in the afternoon to, to, to give his state of the team address. But I, I just I think that like when 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 you hear Ryan speak, not a lot has changed since the second week of January. He's able to be a little bit more emphatic about certain things. And certainly that speaks to the number one pick and the Bears' desire to hopefully trade back, which I think we've all assumed since since they got that number one pick on the on the last week of the regular season. And also just the way they talk about Justin, right? Like they are firmly behind Justin. They're firmly believers in where he can go with his career as a quarterback in the league, but they still have some question marks. And, and, and Ryan's not afraid to say that directly because he said it directly to Justin. And so I think you hear some of that in his voice as he speaks about it and saying, look, like we expect Justin Fields to be our starting quarterback when week one of 2020 arrives, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have things to work on and that we're not going to be doing our homework on other possibilities because we have to. That's our job as people in this organization. It's not a, a detail that's uh, important necessarily, but it is interesting. Why do you think that 
Matt Eberflus had an opportunity to project maybe to, to the league's media, if you will, and Ryan Poles talked just to local media because if there were one executive, I think that would attract a national audience, it would be the the, uh, the general manager with the first overall pick, and yet that wasn't the case. Well, I'll tell you this: that that Ryan's press conference was immediately broadcast. We we walked directly from his press conference to the media room here and on NFL network, it was, they were blasting everything that Paul said. So he didn't have any problem having his messages be amplified. This is just the way the bears have already done it. And, and so like Ryan is being heard, you know, he's being heard through all these corridors here. He's obviously going to cross paths with a lot of people uh, over the coming five, six days and, and have a chance to have a lot of different conversations about the direction of his football team, what he's looking for, what other teams might be looking for from him. And, and there are, there's a lot of ins and outs to that. And I think it's just, going to really be I think Matt Eberflus said today you know it's we're 58 days from the start of the draft which puts us about 60 days from the end of the draft and so you you, you look forward to this stretch because we know David that we're going to have a ton to talk about it's going to be very eventful there's going to be a lot of change there's going to be a lot of exciting things that happen there are going to be a lot of disappointments along the way of you know people that the Bears or that, that fans thought that the Bears could get that they don't and so it's just going to be really really cool to, to track it all. So obviously the focus will be on what he said and he didn't reveal too many details, but he was a little bit um, more, I think, forthcoming with some of his thoughts than I, and then maybe I expected Then maybe some general managers would have been in that circumstance. Let's start by looking at in terms of the timing of any trade. And we come yeah. into this week and the context is the report from ESPN and Adam Schefter, breaking news as they termed it and presented <laughs> it, that the Bears were leaning toward trading down and trading the number one overall pick, and they had heard from several teams. Before we hear how Ryan Pace or Ryan Poles responded to some of those things, what was your reaction to that report at the beginning of the week? Was that just expected because you <laughs> have to you know, understand that this is the way – it almost like announces the beginning of Combine Week. I mean, my reaction was no duh, right? I mean, like, I think this is what we all assumed since the season ended. And so it's just like, okay, someone said it to Adam. And so then you put it out there and then you stamp a developing or breaking news label on it. But I, I like, like Ryan Poles was pretty emphatic on Tuesday and saying, these are all just starter conversations at this stage. Like the bears have to go back after this week and all of the things that they gather on the draft prospects here. And they have to kind of realign their draft board. And then they have to figure out what their, you know, plan a for free agency is. And they've got to adjust all these things and then can, consider some of the conversations that they had with other teams and how it makes sense for them to move around the draft board. And so it's going to be fluid and it's going to be a dance. They're going to have to dance, but starter conversations was a great way for Ryan to, to phrase that today. I look, I like, I, I get it. Like things that have been on our radar for months and months and months, because we write about it every day. We talk about it on the radio every day. We have two, two episodes a week of the podcast are things that are now just starting to hit the national radar. And that's what happens. There's nothing against, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the way that that, infrastructure works in the league but that's just, just all it was is stuff that we've been talking about for months now sort of hitting the main stage at an event that is obviously a big event for the league two specific things that i think he addressed which were number one would be when you might consummate such a trade because that's the question do you gain any sort of leverage by waiting closer to the draft or if you know what you want to do and you get a good offer would you make a deal sooner rather than later and especially before free agency begins on march 13th and then second to that would be how far back from number one would you want to go? Two to the Texans, four to the Colts, nine to the Panthers, or two to four to wherever and trade down twice. And that is what I think those two questions in, in during his time at the podium, Ryan Poles addressed both of them. 
scenarios um, that it might benefit us to move, you know, before free agency, you know, opens potentially. Um, but again, when we get back with all the information that we've gathered from here, I think we'll have better direction. Is that just because it would give you a clear view of, of what you need, or, or how would it be beneficial? Uh, a clear view of what we need, um, and there's scenarios where you could, you know, add players as well potentially, um, which again gives you some clarity on what you want to do in the draft how and free agency. Sorry, how mm-hmm. does having the number one pick change how you approach this week? Yeah, it doesn't really approach. We're not going to approach it too much different. We're going to collect the information like we always do. Um, I think the volume of information just goes up. As you sort of gather that information, how are you going to balance maybe the, the want to add more picks and maybe the value of that compared to a guy you might be targeting up there that you wouldn't right. be able to get when you trade back? Yeah, it's a good question. And that's a numbers game I talk about. Um, really getting our draft board set up, see where, you know, if we move to this spot, who's available. I always talk about value, right? So there's going to be certain players that are going to be in the value bucket. How many are there, which is going to dictate how far we can move back. When you have a team that needs so many pieces, is that the ideal outcome for you to trade the pick, get more assets? Yeah, it just depends um, how far back. Um, but yeah, we do. We need a lot, and that gives us more opportunity to bring in more players. So um, it's a good situation to be in for where our club is. Um, but at the same time, you know, when I talk about where guys are on the draft chart, if we have someone that's so high and in a special category that says, you know what? You know, this guy's going to affect our team both from a culture standpoint and also from a game day standpoint, then that might be the best thing to do as well. Um, but in a vacuum, like, yeah, moving back gives you more uh, opportunities to hit more players um, and continue to add to the core of this team. David, so the breaking news here is that Ryan Poles has value buckets. Ryan Pace had clouds. Some GMs have tiers. Uh, some have shelves. We've got value buckets now at Hellas Hall, and so Ryan's going to navigate that. And a, a subsequent question, I kind of asked him about the color coding that they use in this regime to, to distinguish guys on the board. He said it's blue, red, gold, orange, gray, in that order. So for our, our diehard listeners, put that on your fridge and memorize it. Blue, red, gold, orange, gray. That's, that's your tiers of, of players that the Bears are going to be evaluating this draft. I love that you asked him as a follow-up in that order. <laughs> Just to make sure. Like, you would be doing that. And actually, I know why you were doing that, because you're going to eventually write something that lists categories with prospects that has guys in that order. Like, well, it, a mini bears board, uh, their own board. Sure. And, and some of this, right, like, is him talking a lot today about – trying to figure out where to set the floor. Like, how far are you willing to trade back? What level of prospect do you need to come out of the draft with as your headliner of the 2023 draft class? And maybe there isn't a situation where you say, all right, we're not going to add a blue player in this draft just because the trade offer and the number of picks we can accumulate to pick later in this draft, again, in 2024, potentially in 2025, maybe it makes it worth your while to get outside of that blue tier, blue value bucket, whatever you want to call it. But that's going to be an interesting game that Ryan's going to have to play in the months to come is figuring out, you know, like what is the absolute lowest level of player that we will accept as the headliner of our of our 2023 draft class. That's going to be really interesting to, to, to see where that winds up. Would those players then eventually end up on a bucket list? Perhaps, right? Like, and then we can have our bucket list here, right? For, Bears for what bucket the, list? Uh, I got one. I got one of them for the Bears bucket list. Win a Super Bowl eventually. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Build a stadium. Win a Super Bowl. Find a but, quarterback. You know, I think in that in that bite, 
that we just played, one of the most interesting sort of scenarios that hasn't really been on the radar is Ryan indicating that the, the, the biggest incentive to, to execute a trade soon would be if you were adding a player in the trade, right? And, and you're at, you know, you're, you're talking with say the Colts and you're able to add a player or two that then changes your uh, approach in free agency, right? Because now you've addressed needs through trade that you don't have to address in free agency beyond that. If they're not going to trade for a player in moving that number one pick, well, then you've got a lot more time to play out the end of March and into April and kind of figure out what all's on the table for you and try to try to squeeze the maximum out of it. That's what I think was the most strategic thing about what he said, if that was what he planned. Because when you say something like that, the timing could be affected by whether or not we add a player, because that implies that if you do that, it's going to be before free agency, because you go into free agency and you approach it based on need. And so if you're going to trade with hypothetically the Colts and you move back to four, and part of that package is DeForest Buckner, then all of a sudden, you don't need to go after a defensive tackle as aggressively as you would if you don't trade for DeForest Buckner or Michael Pittman, wide receiver, that kind of thing. That to me was the only potential tell or the only potential plant, if you will, because you don't know in these things, you have to almost parse the statements because of what we're describing. Everyone else is. And I think that you're sending messages, whether it's overtly or, you know, privately, that I think Ryan Poles, when he said that you have to be, you'd be conscious of timing and the timing could come sooner rather than later for that reason, that's why it's important. Yeah, no, no question. And, and, and look, like the, I think they are eager to see these starter conversations, as we alluded to them, become, you know, fluid back and forth that then create. Okay, here's specifically what's on the table. And I, I wrote in a column at ChicagoTribune.com on Monday afternoon that Ryan's going to have to become sort of a, a slick auctioneer in all of this. And like, I, I got one first round pick. Can I hear two? Do I, you know, do, and he's going to have to play that game with, you know, a handful of general managers that are in this complex this week and, and figure out what, what he can do to squeeze the maximum out of that number one pick. And that's what you hear consistently from people in that building at House Hall. You didn't lose 14 games because you, you, you enjoy having that feeling on Sunday afternoons. You lost 14 games, and now the the consolation prize is you get this this one asset that you're trying to treat like an orange and squeeze every last drop of juice out of it so that you can build a team that that can then not be in this conversation very often when we come to the combine and is instead a team that's just kind of an afterthought on the outside. Before we get to the next clip, the ever, I want to look at the last aspect of what he said there in terms of the how far back he will go conversation everybody's going to have their own parameters about what they want to get out of this pick some will be realistic most of them won't be because you never know what value you're going to carry from year to year and from team to team dan i would think that if i have the number one overall pick and i'm ryan poles and my roster needs everything i want to do a couple things with it i want to make sure that i make a trade where i can get a future number one draft pick number one so that's got to be part of the package secondly but I don't want to move so far down that I lose out on what he referred to as a blue player. And I think yeah. in this case, with this draft, that to me is Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. I would favor, again, my own personal, David Haw is the general manager for a day type of thing. Jalen Carter would be somebody, if I can move no lower than fourth and still get him, and a future number one as part of the package, that's the deal that I would be ready to make tomorrow. But I don't know if they if they would do that as that soon. It, it doesn't matter that when if you get all of that you're asking for because those will be the priorities for me. 
future number one pick, still in a position to get a generational defensive player, and then the rest you get as part of the package is, you know, fair, but you're not trying to get away with anything. You just have to make a good deal. Well, that's that's the David Hall philosophy going into this draft. I was on a call last week with Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network, who said, you know, the Colts are the team that makes the most sense for the Bears to trade with, but the team that they should be targeting is the Carolina Panthers. Because if you move from one to nine, what the trade charts tell you, you can get back in terms of future number ones and have another number one for 24, have another number one for 25. Well, now all of a sudden, if you're willing to maybe accept a red player in one of those three first round picks, but you're able to get two blues out of it, it's something as that Ryan pulls that you have to consider that you can't look at 2023 as its own entity that you have to look at this as this big picture that he's been trying to look at it as and so that's where it's like it's really exciting I think for the Bears and it's you know you can understand why they have this enthusiasm for this process but it's also like the, the the wealth of options it's almost like a kid in a, a an ice cream store with 80 flavors it's hard to figure out which one you want because so many of them are appealing in different ways and you've just got to figure out what what suits you in that moment and so that like I'm really really excited to get to the end of all this two months from now and then just kind of be able to get Ryan uh, decompressed and then able to kind of fill us in on on some of the ebbs and flows and the things that he didn't take and the other considerations that he had and the, the deals that he almost made. It's going to be really cool up the road to learn more about all of it. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I found it reassuring that one of the options he's not necessarily considering is trading Justin Fields. That will come up. It has come up. We've discussed it here. Colin Coward and other people out there. It's a topic uh, regularly on the four letter network. You have conversations that revolve around this idea of trading a quarterback who had a breakthrough, had a breakthrough season in many ways, but still has some ways to go. But Dan, I think that when you hear Ryan Poles asked as he should be, about trading Justin Fields, he sounded a certain uh, – he sounded like he was not somebody considering that possibility. Right. Well, and and look, like he said in January, that he would have to be blown away, right, to move off of Justin after what Justin showed in terms of playmaking ability, leadership, all of the the, the things that you want a, a young starting quarterback to exhibit. Well, now the Bears have been really clear that there are specific areas of improvement that are needed. Their evaluation jibes with what other people around the league see in Justin. We'll talk about that more later this week uh, with, with a lot of chatter that, that we've taken in from inside the building and outside about where Justin's at. I don't think there's ever been this this intention to move off of Justin Fields. Now, as a general manager with the number one pick, you have a responsibility. You have to go look and see 
Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and Will Levis and possibly Anthony Richardson and say like, Hey, let's just make sure we're making the right decision here. Right. Let's let, let's weigh these guys against it. And, and then like, we'll make an informed decision. Once we have enough information, they know which direction they're leaning. And again, they'd have to be blown away. And Ryan was kind of asked, you know, for his definition of what it would take to be blown away. And, and the, the, like, it was a multi-part answer where he was just kind of like, Hey, number one, you got to turn on the tape and it's got to be over and over again with the, wow, 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 this is different. And then also talked about a guy that is, um, capable of handling the grind and the pressures of this position in this league, in this market, you know, and so there's a lot of, of, of elements to it that they're going to evaluate. I think that, that we're all sort of under the assumption that they'll walk to the starting gate of 2023 with Justin Fields as their quarterback. And then hopefully with a, a improved supporting cast, put him through a 2023 test. That's going to tell us everything that we need to know about a, the direction of Justin Fields, b the direction of the Chicago bears. And, and because part of that is they, they know how he, will respond to some of these factors they know the player they know the intangibles they trust the intangibles frankly that's probably his greatest strength right now besides his running ability is that his makeup and so that's hard to that's what everybody's gathering in indianapolis wondering about these players how will they handle adversity what are they like to manage on a daily basis are they early the first one in and last one to leave the things they already know about justin fields which is why i think he has removed some of those doubts Uh, either way i found it also uh, nice that ryan poles is committed it seems to communicating every sort of intention with his quarterback and this is how he described how he'll keep justin fields abreast of the latest developments and his and his thought process has anything changed with, with Justin Fields and you saying he essentially have to be blown away to to trade him? Anything changed in that regard? No, nothing's changed there. I saw you know the the deal from yesterday in terms of leaning one way or the other. You know, I think that's always been the case. We've always leaned that way because Justin did some really good things. I'm excited about where his game's going to go. Um, but at the same time, when you sit in our situation at one overall, you have to do your due diligence. You have to investigate everything. you got to spend time with those guys just to make sure we're making the right decision. Um, what's important to me, and I think everyone knows me by now and how uh, I want to treat our players we'll be in communication with justin along the way just to make sure that you know he knows what we're doing and nothing's a surprise to him i don't want to put words in your mouth but it's it's safe to say from what you said now and last time we met that you're planning on justin being quarterback uh that's the plan right now um and like i said we're going to do our homework on on this class and if something changes and again i'll just use the same statement we got to be blown away uh to say you know what i think this is best for organization that's Patrick Finley not putting words in Ryan Poles' mouth. <laughs> right. You know, let it, let it be out there. Let, let's try to get to the bottom of this yeah. as close as we can at a time like this where it's a little bit uncertain. Um, yeah. You know, and to your point, before you played that clip, you give Ryan a lot of credit for the open lines of communication and his, his willingness to tell Justin, like, listen, there's going to be a lot of noise. Like you're going to hear a lot of different things. I'm going to be very upfront with you about what we're doing and why we're doing it. I'm probably going to lie to a few people here for, for selfish reasons for the bears. You know, you're going to hear things that are, are just purely speculative, but let's stay in touch and, and I'll keep you abreast of everything along the way. That's, that's a good, good leadership trait that will serve them well in the long run. Do you think that um, it matters to Justin Fields? I know there's no way to tell, 
and you, you know that you're not going to necessarily get a straight answer. But, you know, you being around him and, and understanding him in ways that maybe people who aren't, do you think that he's going to appreciate it? But do you think that it's important to him to know what's going on, or is he just one of these guys that's going to be oblivious to the noise? Yeah, it's combination, right? Like, I think that he is so self-focused and, and so understanding of some of the things that he talked about at the Super Bowl, just like the control, the controllables, understand what's in your sphere and what's not. And like, so he's, he's got a maturity in that regard that's really, really valuable. But I think anybody that's a human being wants to be kind of in the loop on what people are doing with their livelihood, right? And, and what they're saying about them. And so I think there's a combination of it where I think he, he'll just kind of focus on himself and go about his own business. But it is nice to have, you know, the, the, the back and forth, just to know where you stand and to be able to be uh, have the opportunity to ask questions if there's something that's like, well, wait a second, you know, I heard X, Y, and Z. Can you give me a little bit of clarity on that? I asked that a little bit in the context of Brian Gutekunst, the Packers general <laughs> manager, who before Ryan Pohl spoke, addressed the, the assembled media and talked about not yet having the conversation with Aaron Rodgers and wanting to since he emerged from the darkness and, <laughs> and trusting that Jordan Love, if they do move on, would be ready. And he's keeping him kind of abreast of what is going on. And I know that every GM is going to have their own method, but it's certainly – uh, it was interesting to hear Gutekunst talk about the state of the Packers quarterback situation before really Ryan Poles was addressing the state of the Bears situation because they are they're kind of in uh, in conflict or at least very contrasting situations. Well, they were on at the same time. So Ryan was speaking in that hallway that we talked about earlier and Gutekunst was on the, the main stage, which deprived me of the opportunity to apologize to the Goot for having a conversation with his quarterback last week. I know you and Studs did it. I was late. Yeah. And so I I, I, I wanted to just tell him, like, sorry that we were able to get in touch with Aaron before you were, you know, I mean, like, these are just things that happen in the NFL world, but uh, they're working, <laughs> they're working through it in Green Bay on a serious level. Like you talk to people that are very well connected with the thought processes of the, the, the folks in Green Bay. And there's an increasing sense that like the, the, the momentum to move on from Aaron Rodgers is picking up steam. You didn't get a lot of clarity from the general manager's mouth today. Um, but man, I, th I feel like there's not only in Green Bay, but elsewhere around the league, particularly in New York with the Jets and Joe Douglas, there's there's like a, a waiting game being played that uh, is making people a little bit antsy and fidgety right now because, you know, they, they obviously want to uh, to get that show on the road. Especially with Derek Carr in Indianapolis meeting with the Panthers reportedly, met with the Saints considering the Jets, and you wonder which is the first domino that's going to fall. It is nice, though, from our standpoint to not to have to worry necessarily about that affecting who's going to play quarterback with the Bears. It affects the Bears potentially in terms of what teams to trade with, but not who's going to be lining up at center um, in the season opener for 2023. Right. And, and so like you see all this stuff and, and the, excitement that the bears have about the direction justin can go is real you know it is, it's very real and now they want to see if they can push him in that direction um obviously again the, the info gathering process on the quarterbacks is, is it's going to be interesting because you know you're going to want to hear from these guys at the top of the class just kind of how they process the game how they see things how they explain decisions they've made within games how they get on a whiteboard there's things that can be taken from that process and so the bears i think are are, are doing a really nice job of staying engaged and not just kind of pinning themselves in one corner or another with the understanding that like you know we're on a path but that doesn't mean we can't like use our peripheral vision a little bit all right the last thing or a couple of things about ryan poles and what he had to say to the media because we are 
evaluating one of the positions at defensive tackle, one of the possibilities at the top of what well, I yeah. think Bears list, uh, defensive tackle, Jalen Carter, who is a guy that um, to me could be uh, the best defensive player in the draft. Some people have him as the best overall player on their draft board, but it was interesting for me to hear Ryan Poles describe what he's looking for in every defensive tackle. Yeah, I go back to coaches, his principle, um, guys that play the way that we're looking for, um, violence, length, um, tenacity. That's what we're looking for. Guys that can get after the quarterback, but also play the run as well and be disruptive. Violence, length, tenacity. Tenacity, yep. Uh, that, that, that doesn't make a real tidy acronym, but it's easy to remember. Violence, length, and tenacity, VLT. Well, and then we got a, a chance to ask Matt Eberflus later in the day what he prioritizes in defensive linemen. He said big, long, and fast. So those are uh, other tr- other traits that that, that that he's looking to to add there. I, I, I mean, Bills. Jay, from Bills. <laughs> from from a from a football standpoint, when you see the highlight reel of Jalen Carter, you're like, whoa. Right. Like this is next level quickness, agility, power, explosion. It's all there. Now you hear from pockets in the league that there's some questions about maturity and and, you know, the label high maintenance was used to me uh, recently that that you have to be aware of that if you're going to roll those dice. Now, listen, talent often speaks louder than all those things. And somebody's going to to roll those dice and, and try to, to, to make the best of the situation. That dude's tape. At its best, especially the highlight parts of the tape, is it, 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 it is almost flawless, right? When you look at at how much of a game wrecker he can be when he's on. Uh, I mentioned Daniel Jeremiah earlier. He said it's like almost that, that he can teleport between gaps because all of a sudden you look and you're like, how did he get from here to there in that in that amount of time? So it's really impressive stuff. I don't know that there's a player in this draft, and I include Will Anderson in this mix because I think he would probably be closely behind, but I don't know if there's anybody that you watch – uh, highlights and you watch games from the past season that is any more impressive than Jalen Carter as a prospect because of the amount of things he can do. Yeah, there are these concerns, the character concerns that came out during the college football playoff and some of the other things that you hear as residue from that conversation, but I'm not sure how accurate or fair they are because I just don't know what the basis is. And it just reminds me, Dan, I mean, going way back, it's, you know, the comp on the field is Tommy Harris the Bears in 2004 took him 14th overall, and he was a great pick. But you heard some of those concerns of why Tommy Harris dropped into the teens because he was a young uh, defensive tackle, didn't play full time at Oklahoma, but he also was a guy that maybe did. Uh, he, I don't want to say he was immature, he was playful. He was a young 21 when he came into the league, I believe. And you know what? That was a great pick for the Bears. He came into injuries, or else he would have been. Right. I mean, the difference maker on a, on a, on a team that went to the Super Bowl, you know, and, and had, yeah. had he not been hurt, you know, there's a lot of people that think if Mike Brown and Tommy Harris are healthy, that the Bears have a second Lombardi trophy in that, in that lobby at Hallis Hall. And if you're, if you're drafting that guy in Jalen Carter or a version of that guy, then I, I think you want to move no deeper or lower in the draft to where you're, you can't do that. So I think that's why mentally I have a hard time seeing the Bears go lower than fourth because if he's still possibly there, that maybe you even miss on him if you're at four. But I, I think he's the one guy that you look at and say he can change our defense for years to come.
Yeah, uh, and their defense needs changing. One of the stats that I revisited that I know we talked about as the, the 2022 season was circling the drain uh, or however you wanted to view it is that the Bears were last in the league in sacks in 2022 and they were 31st in run defense. On the offense side of the ball, they were dead last in passing offense and uh, 29th in sacks allowed. So they couldn't rush the passer, stop the run, throw the football or protect the quarterback, which are three or four monumental things that you have to do to have success in this league. And I think that's where like people around the league right now, it's been pretty consistent this week on being like really fascinated on what the bears are going to do, but also very realistic on like who they are now, which is a terrible football team with a lot of holes to fill on that depth chart. And so you kind of have to weigh both of those things on the same scale because you, you can't just dismiss the idea that they got those uh, 14 losses because they were really bad at a lot of the fundamental yeah. things that you have to do well in football. Think of it this way as a uh, early spring, late winter comp quarterbacks that played the bears had more time to throw than major league pitchers with the pitch clock. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty much, they sat back there and they didn't feel rushed at all. They felt very comfortable and they found the receivers. Okay. A couple little things uh, before we move on. Matt Eberflus spoke. How would you generally describe what he had to say? Um, and Ryan Poles, before we leave his conversation, talked about Eddie Jackson and Ian Cunningham, his assistant general manager. Yeah, I think there's some um, optimism within the building on, on where Eddie's at and his recovery from the Liz Frank injury that he suffered in his left foot. Didn't need surgery on that. I think the Bears feel really good about keeping him in the mix. Now, Ryan did kind of leave the door open by saying, look, like all our players, we're going to evaluate on a year-by-year basis. We're looking to see him get into training camp and figure out where he's at and go from there. But I think the, the goal is to preserve continuity in the back end, that if you've got Brisker and Eddie Jackson on the back end, if you've got Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon making developmental strides at corner, now, all of a sudden, you've got a secondary that, that's got some pieces. And if you can help them by adding defensive front guys that, that make their jobs easier, now you've got the recipe for something going forward. As Ian Cunningham is uh, involved in all this, obviously, the Bears were able to keep him for a second season here. I think that, that Ryan is very, very um, excited about having that sounding board, having that bond, having that trust with a guy that is, has been right, his right-hand man really since the, the first month he was on the job. Um, and so there's some excitement about his involvement in these processes because, again, like Ryan Poles is going to be one of the busiest men in the NFL over the next 60 days. And to have somebody take some of that workload and be able to communicate with you clearly, uh, it's, a, it's a great asset to have. Do you think the Bears are in the market for a backup quarterback? I know the situation with Trevor Simeon is – there's a commitment. I think he's under contract. He did get injured. And maybe if you have an opportunity to upgrade, I just wonder, are they monitoring number one quarterbacks who might be draftable or number two free agents who might be out there after getting cut Marcus Mariota or somebody like that? Would that make any sense for the Bears to consider as a backup to Justin Fields, who you have to expect throughout the course of a 17 game season is going to maybe expose himself to injury? Well, right. Like he's missed seven games in his first two seasons, missed seven starts. And so you have to obviously know what your number two quarterback is going to look like and what you value there. I think Justin has probably crossed the bridge where he doesn't need his hand held as much, uh, particularly in the second year of a system under Luke Getze by a veteran who can help steer him through some of the, the week by week processes and help keep him grounded. And so eventually you may have to ask a question on like, do you draft a, you know, day three guy? Do you find somebody that has a similar skill set to Justin so that if he does miss games you know the the um 
or if if you go into a week and you're not sure if he's going to play, the offensive game plan can be similar, right? And you don't have to to, to, to totally retool everything. Um, yeah, definitely going to be interesting to see where they go in that direction. I don't think it's on the front burner for them. Uh, they have so many other needs, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, every, every position on the roster, but certainly something to keep tabs on uh, as they go forward. Simeon, he's under contract. He's one more year, right? Back and he's going to be healthy. Is that wasn't a serious injury, was it? This kind of well, he needed surgery for the oblique tear, so um, you know there should be a recovery process that's normal on that. But yeah, that wasn't the the ideal way for for Trevor Simeon's first season as a Bear to go. And Matty Refluse, in his uh, limited remarks to the media, I, I don't think he said a ton. But did he talk about Luke Steckel? Were they able to? Uh, discuss the assistant offensive line coach that they added from the Titans staff. So they did not discuss that today, and that's a, a notable addition to the coaching staff. I think one of the things that was interesting from Matt today, you know, there's there's been an increasing number of staffs. I think this year it's five coaching staffs from around the NFL that aren't here in Indianapolis. Their organizations have decided, and their front offices have decided that they're better off doing their homework back at home and not wasting their time at the combine. Well, the Matt was very emphatic in saying, look, we've got a lot at stake this off season. I really feel a value in sitting down with these prospects and having eye to eye conversations and feeling out their love for the game and understanding whether they're going to be a fit in the hits principle and felt like this is a, a big week for this coaching staff to continue their information gathering process. And so he was very, very emphatic on, yeah, we're going to be here and we're going to do the work here. That's uh, here to be done. And hopefully uh, particularly in an off season like this, where you've got all these holes to fill and all, all these resources to do it with you make some good decisions because you have more information so i didn't get the sense from hearing from either ryan poles and then again from matt Eberflus, who talked again about the intangibles he i didn't think he mentioned the 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 things about the the will to win and and ryan poles talked about you know the hits principle it doesn't sound like the rhetoric is going to be any less amplified just because we're in season two in fact it might just be reinforced no, you're right on that. Um, and and like, th- there's a desire for Matt, I think, to 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 kind of show results to, to everything that they implemented last year. I think there's a frustration internally that they they talked up this whole foundation and this hits principle, and yet you go through every statistical category and you go, so what? You know, like that's the outside view of it to some extent. And so now you've got to figure out a way to to, to marry those things together where you have a, a, a strong foundation, but it's also complemented with talent that then gets results. Any good indie area downtown sightings? And I don't mean bigs at the Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, Brad's got his spot, right? Like we've joked for years that there's going to be a statue of Brad outside the Starbucks at the JW when all is said and done. Uh, went cigar to dinner- or no cigar? No, he saves a cigar for the cigar bar down the block here. Went to dinner with Dion Miller, friend of the podcast, on Monday night and um, wound up sitting down the bar from Mike McDaniel. Uh, small, little guy. <laughs> when he's walking around, you don't look and go, oh, NFL coach. You know, he's like five. I don't even know how tall he is. Five, seven, five, short, carrying around a smooth leather white backpack. And he just kind of unassuming look. And then you're like, holy crap, that's the coach of the, the Miami Dolphins. Nice young towers over Mike McDaniel. There you go. Right. And, and so Mike McDaniel said at the end of the bar, he was speaking with someone I didn't recognize. And he just had a Mountain Dew that he brought with and he didn't have anything there. And he had to apologize to the bartender for not uh not having a drink while he sat at the bar for an hour. So that, that those are the ty- types of things you see in Indy. Um, there was some chatter, David. It's Tuesday right now, Tuesday evening. Bar- Butler plays Marquette at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Potential of, of making a stop over there. It's just a matter on whether we can get um, a group together that wants to do it. 
full friend of the podcast, Rich Campbell, was supposed to make a sighting in Indianapolis, but he is OUT out illness parentheses for the week so so we've <laughs> well, lost you a, rich you get a chance to go to hinkle if you've never been you want to i've make been I've been, I've been once and it was awesome and that's why we were thinking about going back and just getting away from the the buzz because it's always cool to be inside that building yeah forget about the the weather uh silos and the tornado warning you know you're, <laughs> you know you're in indiana when you're inside a gym on a on a winter night to, in the middle of the week so that would be definitely worth a trip okay so if you have questions for us at the Take the North podcast. We're going to take your submissions and have a mailbag segment in our next podcast. Just send them to takethenorthpod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at takethenorthpod on Twitter. You can send us one way or another, and we'll get to your questions, and we'll mention them, and we'll try to cover all the ground that you want us to cover. We covered a lot of ground today, Dan. Anything we left out? Uh, just Deron Payne, right? Gets stamped oh, yeah. with the franchise tag. The commanders make him the first player to, to get hit with the tag. You can go ahead and on your big board there in your office there, scratch Deron Payne off the Bears free agency wish list. And now they've got to go down the the uh, the list a little more. Ryan Poles was very clear in saying, like, look, look, we expect some of these things. We adapt, adjust, and we see if there's, is there somebody else in free agency that makes sense. If not, do we pivot and say our value here is in the draft? That gets you back to your Jalen Carter love, and, and potentially that's where the Bears end up. I'm throwing I'm throwing his name into the can't get bucket. So it's going to be like in the can't get what bucket. What color is that? That's like a, a purple? <laughs> I don't I can't see. I don't want to look away, but I'll have to decide what color. I'll, have, I'll let you know next time. Where does what okay. bucket does Carson Wentz's name belong in? Do what's what's next for him since you mentioned Commanders decisions they cut him he's on the loose where's he going to end up yeah i, I don't know the usfl <laughs> i really don't know i mean like the, the, the every i mean carson wentz's Man, last few years he's got 150 touchdown passes he's won more games than he's lost as the nfl quarterback how did he get so bad and why would a team maybe there's going to be someone out there that thinks that they can you know pay the minimum or pay a pittance to get carson wentz on their depth chart no I used the label of high maintenance earlier. That's another label that that pertains to Carson Wentz in a lot of ways. I mean, listen, man, like you list off those stats and then you see the organizations that have been like, oh, thanks for stopping by. We can't get rid of you fast enough. It's been quick and rapid over the last few years. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what his next stop is. Somebody will probably roll those dice, uh, but maybe it will be in one of these second tier leagues that are playing right now. Well, this is no, not, it won't be, but I, this is not take the NFC East. This is take the North. So we will we they have, stop talking about uh, the, do they the, have divisions the in the USFL? I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe the XFL. Maybe <laughs> there you go. Maybe their ratings would increase by a tenth of a point next weekend if he were to join one of those XFL teams. I don't. No know. doubt. Yeah. Let's All let's right. get those ratings up. We'll get those uh, numbers up to keep download and listen and subscribe to uh, take the North podcast on your free odyssey app. Watch us on the 670, the scores YouTube page. We will be back later this week with a very good deep dive into Justin Fields and what he has to do in his third season to take that next step. Really fun week down here, David, and it's just begun. It's uh, always a good information gathering uh, place, and there's a lot more information to gather as these days go on. And yeah, Thursday, uh, when we record our next episode, there's going to be a lot to share about how Justin is viewed uh, around the league and inside the building at House Hall. And if there's still leftover thoughts that I have about the Patrick Kane trade to the New York Rangers and the Blackhawks, I might have to spill over because there's not enough time in our morning show for me to get all those off my chest, believe me. <laughs> Uncork them. I'm here for you. I'm on, I'll, I'll be here to listen. 
All right, and we'll be here to talk. So thank you for joining us on the Take the North podcast. Thanks to Adam Szczynski, our producer. For Dan Weeder, I'm David Haw. Thank you for listening. Download, listen, and subscribe to Take the North podcast. Talk to you next time. Great talk. See you out there.